this week on the Dylan and Dylan show. The guys get into another pigskin interview with Preston Rice, quarterback of the Murray State Racers. Another question and answer segment followed up by our favorites for the Heisman Trophy, as well as the NFL MVP. This week in sports looks at a review and preview for our teams, the Michigan Wolverines and the Detroit Lions, as well as the Tennessee Volunteers and the Titans, as well as our picks for the college football's slate of games coming up this weekend. Dylan show presented by tunnel vision sports. We are back again here on a special Thursday, September 9th edition of the Dylan and Dylan show. Dylan Jesperson here again with my main man, colleague, co-host, all of the above Dylan Holtz. Dylan, how are you doing today? My man. Doing fantastic. Could not be doing any better. I think I, uh, I'm really, really excited for the show today. I think we have a really, really good one. Uh, and I, the last few weeks I haven't had really great this day in sports. Uh, topics to talk about but we're coming up on a weekend this weekend is September 11th and it's the 20-year anniversary of 9-11 the terrible uh, uh, terrorist uh, attack that happened 20 years ago that's one of my kind of like vaguest like earliest memories of my life but I don't I can't really remember the things that happened around it maybe in the sports world so I've kind of been looking back at that as we're we're getting close to that 20-year anniversary and um, this morning I watched uh, George Bush's President Bush's first pitch of the Yankees Diamondbacks game in the World Series that year. And it was really, really cool to see how the sports world, like specifically New York with the Yankees being in the World Series, just how it brought everyone together in just such a such a time of tragedy. It was really, really cool as as we're only a few days away from that uh sad anniversary uh going on 20 years. But yeah, I, I thought it was really cool seeing uh President Bush interacting with both the Yankees and the Diamondbacks and uh the crowd is really, really neat and just seeing how Everybody uh, rallied around sport. It's it's why we love it and why we watch it and everything else. It was great. Excited for a great show. Mm-hmm. Some great memories surrounding that too. The Mike Piazza home run is something that comes to mind uh, right off the bat. Uh, last week I had to reminisce on some pain that I and many of my Michigan fans felt. So I have to share the pain with my Spartan friends this week. 12 years ago this weekend, my future school, Central Michigan, would go into East Lansing upset Michigan State on a last second field goal it was 2009 I think it was September 12th uh officially so one of my favorite upsets of all time for obvious reasons uh but I had to share the pain a little bit because we brought up the the very painful reminder of the App State game last week but quick reminder to follow us Tunnel Vision Sports on Apple Podcasts and Spotify uh, as well as the Dylan Dylan show on YouTube. That way you'll never miss an episode once they come out. Uh, Dylan's Murray state racers are traveling to Cincinnati this week to take on the seventh ranked Bearcats in some FCS FBS play this weekend. Uh, we were very fortunate to be able to sit down with Preston Rice starting quarterback for Murray state and reigning OVC offensive player of the week as his team gets ready for a big matchup on Saturday. Uh, here is that interview right now. 
Howdy, folks. This is Dylan Holtbeck for another special uh, pigskin interview. That's what I'm going to call it. I just th- decided to hear right on the fly. Uh, a few months ago, a few weeks ago, whatever it was, I don't know. Time isn't real. I've talked about that before. We talked to Trey Hornbuckle. We played uh, defensive line at Duke. I was high school teammates with him. It was a great conversation. Uh, I'm really excited to welcome another guy who I, I've become friends with in the past few years. Uh, plays at a different level of football but plays just as well as Trey, if not better. Uh, this guy is an awesome player. He's done a lot of really, really great things in his uh, career at Murray State University. Uh, he plays quarterback for my alma mater, plays quarterback for my current grad school, uh, the Murray State Racer quarterback, Preston Rice. How you doing, Preston? Hey, fellas. It's good to be on here. It's great to have you. Uh, I'm really excited to talk some pigskin, like I said. Uh, and you've got a big game uh, coming up this weekend, but you also had a big game last week. Uh, you you guys opened up the season against Mississippi Valley State, uh, a school that people probably know for a different Rice that played football there. He's pretty good. Ended up in San Francisco. Um, you had a huge performance. You ended up winning OVC Player of the Week, uh, scoring four rushing touchdowns, which maybe someone listening to this, they're like, quarterback, four rushing touchdowns. That Whoa. <laughs> Maybe Tim Tebow, that, that doesn't happen much anymore. Uh, was that kind of the game plan or was that an improvisation? What was kind of the mindset there with four rushing touchdowns rather than maybe four passing? Uh, well, you know, our offense, we're, we're pretty based around running the football, kind of ground and pound, let the defense do work. But with, you know, our reads and stuff like that, the quarterback's a big part of the run game. So, you know, I was I kept a couple off, you know, some some reads off the DN and then a couple times, you know, the running backs had big runs or we hit, we hit a couple big pass plays and got us close and couldn't quite get it in until third or fourth down and then end up just, you know, calling my name and then pounding it in. So it was it was it was a mixture of the game plan. It, it's just kind of who we are, though. Oh, for sure. I know. um Racer fans like myself, we really got used to that kind of identity from this team. Last spring when you guys played that that special spring season that I don't think anyone will ever forget because it was just – it was something like we've never seen because we got spring football. When, when people think of spring football, it's like a spring game, the blue and gold game or the orange and white game in Knoxville. It's not actual football that matters. And the, the fact that we got football that matters that was really, really good was something special. Uh, you guys went five and two – top 25 ranking and in my opinion it was really a breakout season for you uh racking up over a thousand passing yards almost 300 rushing yards and 15 total touchdowns and to throw on there that was your first season under new head coach dean hood which is not the new head coach anymore and you had to deal with all the wacky covid stuff how did you guys manage to make everything just work and uh when basically everything was stacked against you well we kind of felt like the year before with coach Stewart and every the old staff that we were pretty close to that point and then we returned 10 out of 11 starters coming back so we played a lot a lot of football together and you know coach Hood kind of brings a mentality of you know toughness and finishing and you know I figured you know we we kind of figured out how to win going going along after the first one you know things things just kind of kept on going for us the momentum hit us and then we just we just kind of took off from there you know we got to we got to finish it you know we were right there at it we got those last two games were tough but you know it got just made us hungry for going into this season and uh you know believe we have big things to come 
Oh, for sure. And I, I think a lot of people expect that. And if, if you look at the preseason stuff, which I'm, I know you might say you didn't, but it's hard not to see that stuff. Um, people took notice of that success you guys had. Um, but before we get into that, what's it like turning around so quickly? Because you, you just got done playing not that long ago, and here you are opening another season with not all that much rest. Yeah, we were actually pretty – we were pretty lucky. You know, we had a couple bumps and bruises, but we didn't really have a, a lot of serious injuries that were going to keep guys out for an extended amount of time. So that was kind of, you know, one of the advantages we had coming into this season. And then, you know, bouncing back, you know, we got the month of June off, then came back and started working out in July. And, you know, I think people had a bitter taste in their mouth after that, after those last two games and we're ready to get back at it because, you know, we know how much we have to offer and, how, and now we know the standard and what we expect. So we were ready to get here and I feel like we're, we're really mentally focused going forward. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think um, this last spring season with Coach Hood and you and the whole team really just making statements every Saturday, it felt like. And even the the two losses at the end of the season to Austin P and Jacksonville State, they weren't it wasn't they weren't bad losses. You guys ran until the end. The Austin P was a heartbreaker. Jacksonville, there were things that just went wrong at the wrong times. Mm-hmm. And it really I mean, and it you can see it with the preseason stuff at the OVC media days. People put respect on the Murray State Racers names. People expect you guys to be able to win this conference and make noise. And people are expecting it from both the racers and you. Um, and that's maybe a pressure we haven't seen. Maybe we've seen on the basketball team on campus, but not really the football team. What what is that? Does that pressure get to you, or are you are you just going out there and playing football? You know, I'll tell you what I tell everyone else: if preseason rankings mattered, then we wouldn't go out there and play the games. So you know, we're just going to play our ball and our standard. If we play racer football and what what our standard is and what we expect. We we believe we'll be in every game and, you know, mostly win every game too. Oh, yeah. I I fully stand behind that. And I, I know I remember when I got on campus uh, back in uh, 2015, it wasn't wasn't the greatest brand of football maybe being played on, the, uh, on God's green earth. But it just every year since then, we've – We've the team's real. I we've I'm not on the team. Never <laughs> happened. But I, I I feel like I know a lot of you guys so well that I feel like I've been a part of the process almost. You guys have put in so much work and just got better and better and better. And it I think it really started to show back in it would have been 2018 I think when Drew Anderson was the quarterback. He transferred in from Buffalo. I really think that was there was a huge leap taken that year because Drew he just he I don't know just watching from afar. He almost seemed like he carried himself as like a veteran and a pro. And he ended up turning into a pro, playing for the Cardinals in the preseason and having pro opportunities now. Um, What was it like sharing a locker room and a quarterback room with Drew? Because I know that quarterback room was tight with you and Drew and Bognar. Yeah. Uh, Drew, he was special, man. I mean, getting to be around him, you would see things every day that, you know, see throws every day. You'd be like, wow, that's that's impressive. Just – just casually too, you know, he was, he was effortless, just a cool, calm guy. He, he was great to learn from. And then, you know, Bognar in there, he's GA at Troy, you know, he's, he's a great football mind and, you know, he's probably one of my best friends and, you know, just talking to him every day, you know, bouncing ideas, talking ball back and forth, you know, 
that's a huge advantage that not a lot of people have. And, you know, we had him, Drew, and Shuler Bentley, who's a GA at Coastal Carolina. So, I mean, there was a lot of football knowledge in one room. And Coach Stewart and Coach Coleman, I mean, they were their quarterback gurus too. I mean, everywhere they've been, their quarterbacks put up numbers and they have that great system. And, you know, it was just, a, it was a lot of fun to be around, be there each and every day. And we even had Michael Hires, who is, you know, JUCO uh, player of the year last year, won a national championship at uh, Northeast. You know, it was, it was competitive, but it was fun. You know, we kept it light most of the time, but, you know, when it was time to work, we worked and it was, it was, a, it was a great experience for all of us. For sure. And I think as someone on the outside who, who got to talk with you and Bognar and Michael Ayers and Drew a little bit, I, I knew Drew a, a little bit, got to talk to him every once in a while. You, you really got the chemistry just talking to you guys because you were always all together. You're always talking football no matter what. Bognar could be sitting in an 8 a.m. class in Wilson Hall, and he's going to be talking football. And, that, and you can see it now, him being a GA at Troy, it just makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. That from the time I met Bognar, he said he was going to coach football, and it looks like he's going to do it, yeah. and I have full faith he's, he's going to be really good at it. He's going to be really, really good at it. I and agree. I, I can't wait to see where he goes. I'm excited. Same. I'm very excited to see what Bognar does. Um, so we, we talked about the QB room, but um, – Going to school like Murray, Murray, I think Murray's so special because it's the way I've always described it to people is it's a very small school that wants to be an SEC school because it might not have all the people in the world or anything. We're not going to sell 100,000 tickets for a football game, but people really do care. They they show up most of the time, hopefully, and they, they want to have fun. They want to they want to cheer on winning sports teams. Yeah. Um, I think something that maybe people don't realize is we've had NFL players in yeah. uh, Murray, Kentucky. Quincy Williams plays for the New York Jets. And then obviously uh, you shared a campus. We shared a campus with NBA superstar John Morant. Uh, what's it What's it like maybe um, just knowing that maybe when you came to Murray State, you maybe didn't expect that you would share a campus with John Morant or a locker room with Quincy Williams. Because me personally, when I signed my papers to be a student, I didn't expect that at all. So I don't know. I want, I want your perspective on that. Uh, my perspective, Murray, Kentucky's a cult. <laughs> you know, it's one I can go anywhere and someone from Murray, Kentucky, if you have on, if you have on the colors, they're going to know where he is or, you know, know someone there. It's it's an awesome experience. I mean, Quincy too, sharing a locker room with him, it was it was unique just because kind of like Drew, you, you know, you saw stuff every day that you're just like, wow. Like when I saw him play, I was, you know, he ran sideline to sideline better than anyone I've ever played with or saw in person play right there on field level. It was it was insane. He's he's a freak of nature, I'll say that. And then Jaw, I mean, you know. Jaws jaw. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's really no, no, not much explaining on that one. Rookie of the year, and then you know when he was here, you know it was. We our basketball team was you know at the top, number one. Beat who we beat Marquette in the first round. Beat Marquette, yeah. yep. Yeah. And then we had to face that really good Florida State team, which we yeah. don't talk about that one, but we beat Marquette, yeah. And I think what do you have forty that game? I had the triple double. I think it was twenty eight. I, uh, I can't remember exactly. Just twenty eight yeah. points. Yeah, against Marquette. Just, no just, just, just twenty eight. Yeah, just double. twenty eight. Yeah. yeah. He, was, he was he was off that night, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> off the night the triple double. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I, I'll never forget that OVC championship uh, in Evansville, cheering on John Moran, the racers. It was me, you, and Bognar just losing our minds. <laughs> and, I, and watching you on Saturdays, I'm just like, wow, I can't believe that oh. looking back. We were just a couple of years ago rooting on the racers to win yeah. OVC championships. And now you're hopefully leading the racers to OVC championships. Yeah. It's really, really neat. Um, moving on from Murray stuff, uh, you're, you're getting ready for a pretty big game this weekend. Yeah. And it's really exciting. It's it's a top, against a top 10 team in the Cincinnati Bearcats. And maybe um, some, some smaller schools maybe don't have that kind of experience against the top 10 team. Mm-hmm. But you guys do. Some of you guys, anyways, you do. Uh, as a starter, you got to play against number three Georgia in Athens mm-hmm. when Jake Fromm was the starting quarterback. Yeah. What is that like? Because as just a normal human being who is not a D1 athlete, I cannot even fathom yeah. playing Georgia. I got, in I got a pretty cool. I got a pretty good story on the on the way to the uh, stadium to, on that okay. one. Then I'll get into that. Then I'll get into that one. So we're going down down the road in our charter buses, and I look out to the side, and all the Georgia fans are lined up along the sidewalk. Uh, you know. Well, they think it's the uh, the Bulldogs showing up to the stadium. So I just see – I see hand clapping, cheering. And then about halfway through, a lot of cuss words going out of their mouths. So that was just kind of my first experience of an SEC atmosphere and what it's like going and playing, playing somewhere like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. The SEC atmospheres are something else, man. I, yeah. I remember the first time I ever went to an SEC stadium, I think I was – I was like nine or ten years old, yeah. and my dad told You're a big me, "Ball, balls fan, aren't you?" I absolutely love my Tennessee Volunteers. <laughs> and I went to Neyland Stadium. I was eight, nine, ten years old. I remember my dad told me, "Do not tell your mother anything you hear." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> so that SEC stadiums—they're—they're they're a wild place, no doubt about it. Oh, yeah. um, what was it like playing yeah. between the hedges, as they say, down in Athens? it's a once in a lifetime experience. You know, that's what I keep telling these guys right now. You know, the guys that really didn't do it is there's nothing like getting to play a game in front of 50,000 people. I mean, you don't get that. You don't get that a lot in your life. And not many people do. And when we were down there, we got to play in front of 96,000. So, (laughs) yeah. I mean, when you got that many, I don't even I don't know how much forty thousand makes a difference when you, when they're all rowdy. But you know, just yeah. just enjoy it and embrace it, man, because that oh, don't come sure. around too often. I mean, no. it's 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 something you can tell your grandkids because stuff like that, man, it's it's special to me. And I'd like to go out there and put on a good good performance, you know, play to the best of our ability, man, and see what happens. Uh, I think uh, something special that you've kind of got in your back pocket when you've played in these big games and it happened in Lexington against UK and in Athens against Georgia, you've made big plays, which mm-hmm. a small team quarter, small team quarter. I'm going to stop saying that FCS <laughs> teams, when they go into these power five schools and they've got to play these, these games or it's David versus Goliath. A lot of them, it seems like they just get on their back and they're just like, well, we're just, we're here to collect a paycheck almost. But yeah. I mean, you you came in in the fourth quarter against Kentucky, and you put on a show. Because I remember I I was sitting on the couch in Murray, Kentucky, watching that game, 
and I had never seen Preston Rice play quarterback. That's when Drew was the starter, and you came in, and you you uh, you made a pass that I watched yesterday on YouTube, and it still doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't know how you didn't get sacked. You you like evaded the rusher. You you turned around. It was almost like a Menzel like play. It was like Johnny Football in a Murray State uniform. You rolled out, and I I can't remember the receiver you hit, but he, he also made a re- it was cut. It was cut. That makes sense. He made a really, really good catch. Uh, and then it, it was – I don't know if it was the next play, but it was a few plays later you broke off that run. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, this guy, <laughs> he he's going to do something. And then the next year, Georgia, you you made that long pass. I think it was to Daquan. Daquan Green. He's, yeah, he's Daquan. no longer with us. Yeah, yeah. Made that made that long – it was a 60-yard touchdown pass to Daquan yeah. Green in Athens. And it tied the game at 7-7. Seven seven. Yeah. I mean, that was something else. What's it like making plays in front of, like you said, these huge crowds? The Kentucky crowd at that time, most of them had gone home. It was yeah. the game maybe didn't – wasn't as competitive as we wished. <laughs> but that Georgia – that was first quarter and yeah. tied the game 7-7. What's that like in these yeah. those huge I mean, stages? Like you kind of said, I mean, a lot of teams that go in there, you know, kind of want to lay down. I mean, my mentality is totally different. I'm – we don't have anything to lose, man. I mean, nope. if I go out there and, you know, have a bad game, no one's going to care. So I might as well just go have fun and try to make plays and, you know, see what happens. Because, I mean, sure. if, you don't, if you're not trying to make plays in those games and try to just wait for something to happen, it's not, it's not going to happen for you. Too, too much talent's on the field. So you got you to gotta kind of take charge and go try to make a play yourself. And, you know, luckily I did that a couple times. but. You know, hopefully, you know, I'll make a little more this week and, you know, we can be competitive. Oh, a thousand percent. And I think that mentality for anyone that's what, that watched the Kentucky game, the Murray State-Kentucky game a couple years ago, or the Murray State-Georgia game a couple years ago, they saw that. They, they a thousand percent saw you play quarterback and they're like, that guy, here to make a play. Whether it's one play or all the plays, yeah. he came here to do that. And it, it just comes off the screen watching or when you're in attendance watching the racers play on Saturdays. Um, you mentioned this Saturday. Um, you guys take on Cincinnati, like I said, top 10 yeah. team, a team that was this close to beating those yeah. Georgia Bulldogs I was talking about yeah. last year in a bowl game. H- have you seen much – how much film have you watched? How familiar with are you with what they did last week against Miami, Ohio, which was really impressive, I, yeah. I have to say. Yeah, they're they're a good team, man. I'm not gonna sit here and sugarcoat it or anything else. I mean, they got two, I believe, projected first round draft picks on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they're a good football team. There's a reason they're top ten in the nation, man. And there's a reason they went to the Peach Bowl last year and you know lost by a field goal. It's to a to a very good Georgia team that kind of found their quarterback at that time coming off the injury, JT Daniels, and. So, I mean, they're, they're a good team, but, you know, we're a good team too. So, you know, we got to come in there with that mentality. So, Yep, I, I 1,000% agree. I, I think this is a really, really great Cincinnati team. And me and Dylan have talked mm-hmm. about it as we, we've kind of previewed college football this summer. Uh, and a guy that always comes up when you talk about Cincinnati is their quarterback, Desmond Ritter. Mm-hmm. Are you – how familiar are you with Desmond? And uh, what do you kind of expect to see out of him? Or what do you guys expect to see out of him this Saturday? I mean, there's a reason he's, you know, in the conversation for a Heisman Trophy, man. I mean, he 
big plays. You know, he's he's consistent and he's, you know, he's what you want in the quarterback. He's he's a good player and it'd be fun going out there and competing against him on a Saturday. Yeah, and I, that kind of leads into what I wanted to ask next. As a quarterback yourself, when you see a guy on the other sideline, you, you've been in this situation where Jake Fromm was on the other sideline, who's now he finds himself as an NFL free agent, but played for the Buffalo Bills last year. Yeah. You see another quarterback on that sideline who is a Heisman hopeful, who's a projected first-round pick more than likely. Does that get you fired up? You're like, man, I have a chance to go out and there's going to be a spotlight on you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, does that fire you up and get you excited? I mean, playing against someone like that, like Fromm, I mean, those are those are electric guys, and there's a reason that they were – I mean, Fromm was drafted and Desmond's going to be drafted. Uh, I mean, it brings out the best in you as a competitor. I mean, if you love to compete and love ball, you love moments like this, to be able to go out there and, you know, see how good you are. I mean, you're playing the best. You want to you compare yourself to the best. You don't want to, you know, compare yourself to, you know, someone that can't complete a pass. You want to go out there against someone that, that does it and does it at an extremely high level like those guys do. And you're definitely going to have that opportunity on Saturday. Yeah. Um, with It kind of seems like you're in this David versus Goliath situation where it's mm-hmm. like you guys are a very good team, but the way people talk about it is Cincinnati's on another level. And mm-hmm. does, that, that's got to put a chip on your shoulder. And to add on to that, in this first week of college football, we've seen a lot of not. – I'm not going to say a lot. We've seen a few FCS schools go in to these Power 5 teams' stadiums, and a few have won, and a lot of them have put on really, really competitive games. Is that, is that kind of – I don't know if that helps your psyche, or does that mm. – do you guys see that? And you're like, hey, they did it. East Tennessee went yeah. into Vanderbilt, and they dominated. Oh, uh, yeah. Montana – Went up to Washington. Washington's supposed to be good. Vanderbilt, God love them. They're they're not going to be that good yeah. this year in East Tennessee. So Washington, a lot of people think is going to be good. And Montana was like, we're the Grizzlies. We're we're taking care of business. Yeah. Does that kind of fire you guys up? Seeing that? Uh, yeah, for sure it does. I mean, I think you're starting to see that the difference in FCS and FBS, the gaps kind of closing, especially with the G five schools and FCS and all that. I think that gaps kind of closing a little bit. I think people starting to realize that, and I feel like all the FC play, FCS players have confidence now and feel like, you know, why not us? Why not? Why can't we do the same thing that, you know, Montana did or East Tennessee State did, you know, you know, just just figuring out just how good you actually are instead of coming in there with that mentality that, all right, let's collect the check and get on the bus, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And I, I think it's um, when when you look at a lot of these uh, FCS teams that are good, like Montana's a very good team. East Tennessee's coming off a good year. Missouri mm-hmm. State played really competitive last weekend. All these teams have something in common. They've got guys that transferred. And they've got yeah. guys that went under the radar like you did. You, you went under the radar in high school and ended up in Murray State when maybe some people should have paid more attention to you. And I think mm-hmm. – I think that's something that stands out, and uh, mm-hmm. and I agree with you. I think the I think the the competition is becoming more and more even, uh, and it's getting exciting because like we've seen what North Dakota State's done, oh, yeah. and, uh, and it's exciting to see what's going to happen in years to come. I'm gonna at this time. Well, maybe not. Dylan's running off. I was gonna let Dylan ask you some questions. Um, Dylan, you back? You wanna you wanna throw some pre- questions, Preston's way? 
Yeah, sorry. I was just trying to make sure my dog wasn't barking right as I was getting my questions in. But yeah, uh, Dylan handled a bunch of my questions already, but I think I've uh, a couple things I wanted to ask you. I find every college athlete's recruiting story fascinating. So uh, what was your story like? What was it like being recruited to Murray State? Uh, I wasn't much recruited coming out of high school, man. <laughs> Not going to lie to you. I, was, I went to uh, Wayne County, Tennessee, which is a it's a 1A school in the middle of nowhere in southern Tennessee. So I didn't really get too many looks coming out. I uh, I actually have a unique one because I graduated high school early. Uh, Murray State called me in the summer, you know, kind of wanted me to do some summer classes in case I wanted to, uh, if I, you know, just to give me the opportunity to do that, to, to leave school early. Uh, they called me. I did it. Well, I didn't hear from them for four months after that <laughs> and didn't hear from anyone else for four months after that. I think I, I, I had a couple other OVC schools, you know, the team the team on the border that we don't really mention their name. Uh, so they they were kind of interested, but went another way. And then Tennessee Martin was kind of interested, went another way. Uh, but Coach Stewart, finally, after the season, I was at a I was at an all-star game in Cookville, Tennessee. Uh, he called my dad, told my dad he was going to offer me. Then uh, he told me I committed, I think, three days later. I didn't really care if it was D1 and football was being played. I was ready to go. I didn't I didn't mind much. And then so about four or five days later, I committed. And then a month later, I was sleeping in Richmond dorms. So it all happened pretty fast. That's awesome. I always love those stories. And, you know, I come from a place where, you know, players don't get many looks either. So I, I totally understand that, that, that story. And I, I love it either way. Uh, you know, you guys said you have high expectations for this team, obviously uh, you had a great spring season uh, for someone uh, outside looking in, maybe not haven't seen you guys play before. Uh, can you just describe like the identity of your team and, and what you think the outlook of your season is going to look like because of that identity? Oh, you know, I believe we're, we're tough, man. We're a tough team. We're going to fight till there's zeros on the clock. I mean, you can ask any, anyone we play, that's how we play. You know, we're, we're gritty. We, you know, we're, we've kind of changed our identity from a couple years ago to, to now kind of a grounded pound, you know, you know, get there and just and just wear you out until the end. And then, you know, we want to be close at the end. And then we feel like we have the playmakers to uh, finish the game if need be. If it's still close or we're down, we feel like we we can finish. Great. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing a couple games this year. Uh, that's a really Dylan got all of my questions out of the way. So I'll throw it back to Dylan to wrap it up. I've got a few more questions, Preston, if that's all right. Yeah, go, go ahead. These, these are going to be a little more fun because they're off the right. dome. I'll be honest. Okay. So I was thinking because Dylan doesn't know a whole lot about Murray State football, which mm-hmm. is fine. That we're, 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 on the, we're on the come up, as I like to say. We're, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to hopefully be North Dakota State style in a couple years. But, I mean, more people know about our basketball program because of guys like Josh, right. A. Cannon, guys like that. But I think our football program – has more fun traditions. Yeah. And I think you would probably agree with that. We, yeah. we, we've got the better maybe history in basketball because we, we've been really, really good at basketball. Yeah. But in football, I mean, there's not another school in the country that after they score a touchdown, 
a live horse and jockey runs around the track. I mean, I guess I don't really know if this is a question, but what's it, I, I don't know how to word this as a question. I'm just trying to get across the specialness of Murray State football that maybe, I don't know, I feel like it doesn't get, it doesn't have that luster that I, yeah. that maybe I, me and you see that others, what, yeah. what do you think? What, what sets Murray State football apart maybe is what I'm asking Oh man, uh, the horse is awesome. I mean, like that. And then you got the just one humongous side stadium, and then you got Cracker Barrel overlooking the other side. So uh, it's just unique, man. Uh, there's no other place in in the world or the football world where you're gonna, you know, see that. And I'm I'm on the inside of it, so I get to see the day to day. You know, the grind. Uh, you know, we might not have the nicest things, but you know, we have each other, and that's kind of the mentality you you have when you're on when you're on this team. And it's 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 one that brings you closer, and one that an experience I wouldn't trade for anything. Oh, I love to hear that. And I I I love to see kind of the transformation of Murray State football from like the time I got in college when KD Humphreys was quarterback, yeah. and he was awesome, to now oh, yeah. with you at quarterback, and kind of seeing kind of the same mentality because KD, I, I became friends with KD uh, when he was quarterback and the mentality was they, they, the football team was boys. They was, they were yeah. ride or die. And I respected that because I played football in high school. And I was like, that's how it is. I love it. Yeah. And it's still that way. And it's, it's a special, special chemistry in the yeah. locker room. And you absolutely love to see it. Uh, we talked about this last week because we were talking about like the turnover chain and stuff yeah. in Miami. Do you guys still have the saddle on the sideline? <laughs> no, that that kind of oh, that, that was that dang. was kind of Coach Stewart's thing. He, yeah, I kind of I kind of left when he did. So, well, yeah, it's it's we don't have many we don't have many of the uh, what do you call them? The maybe gimmicks. Gimmick, yeah, the, yeah. the gimmicks. Like you know, it's Coach Hood's kind of more old school. You know, oh, do, yeah. do do your job and you know a win is a win is your reward man <laughs> yeah that's fair enough but Miami's got the chain Murray State's got racer one so maybe it's a fair trade-off yeah no I, doubt. I, I think that's a fair trade-off and I it looks like we might have a little bit of a better season than the Canes I, but they also they went against Alabama yeah. so who knows? That, that's a they hard did have to go things. against Saban <laughs> yeah that's a little bit different than Mississippi Valley State I have no doubt they're going to be good but little bit different yeah, um, Nick, Nick Saban and the boys yeah they're they're pretty good I I will yeah. say I'm happy we're headed north to Cincinnati yeah. this weekend and not not down to Tuscaloosa that would that'd be a little different but um <laughs> what, I'm gonna, what I'm gonna leave with I guess I guess unless I think of something while you're answering this yeah. you're a you're a Tennessee native yep. and there's a pro team in Nashville that starts yep. play next Sunday oh yeah how excited are you? Because Dylan uh, knows since we started this show, <laughs> I have been almost unbearable and they haven't touched the field. So I just want to hear kind of your thoughts about the good old Tennessee Titans. Oh, I, I have one in the Super Bowl, man. Are you kidding me? Same. Got, <laughs> Last week he asked me who's winning the Super Bowl, Tennessee Titans. I got I got them and the Tampa Bay Bucks. So this is on record. That's exactly that's Tennessee. exactly what I predicted. We're gonna we're gonna take ta- down Tom Brady. Again, in the, uh, in the Super Bowl, we took so. them down to New England yeah. and ended them in the Super Bowl. I love it. Wow. I so I mean, Julio, AJ, and then you got Derrick Henry. The only, 
only thing I'm worried about is that defense, man. But preseason, yeah. we, we look good. It, it is the preseason, but uh, I, I I can't wait. I'm like a kid before Christmas right now. Wait Sunday. <laughs> Unbelievably excited to be in Cincinnati for this game, watch you and Desmond Ritter duel, yeah. then have a fun day in Cincinnati after that celebrate a racer win, wake up, go to go to maybe a Dave and Busters or something in Cincinnati and watch yeah. the Titans uh, play the Cardinals. Um, Dylan, do Hopefully you have anything? Hopefully they don't rip else? my heart out again. <laughs> no, surely not. I, yeah. I think it'll be a really good game. And the fun thing is the Titans, Ryan Tannehill, he, he's, you're kind yeah. of like a college version of Tannehill. I kind of <laughs> love it because you drop back and you're like, well, he, he's a quarterback. You might not expect Preston Rice to be the most athletic guy in yeah. the world when you watch him, but then you take off and it's like, all right, this guy's got wheels. And Tannehill, he's become Tana wheels. So yeah, I yeah. kind of got the college vibe of Tannehill going. Like, I love like it. I, like I said, I'm, I'm excited, but I have my guard up just because in the oh, past yeah. and they've, they've ripped my heart out before. So I'm not – I'm not doing. I'm. I got my high hopes. They're my Super Bowl champs, even though I pick them every year. But you yep. know, this year we have a legitimate shot. So. Oh yeah. We'll see. Hopefully, it comes true. It's I'd love to be. On, I'd. I'd love to be on Broadway after we win. After we win. I, I hope I'm on Broadway with you yeah. in February when we win. Um, I <laughs> am very very excited yeah. for the Titans season. I'm very excited for the rest of the Murray State season. I'm very, very excited for this Saturday to be in Cincinnati to watch you. I'll yeah. be – I don't know where my tickets are. They'll be bought sometime in the yeah. next few days, but I'll be there. I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch you yeah. and Spencer uh, – not Spencer, Desmond Ritter. I say Spencer yeah. Rattler every time. He's a different cat. They're both <laughs> Heisman favorites. Hey, what, yeah, both. what about that Tulane team, though, down there? Oh, what do you uh, think about the Tulane yeah. team? They they were impressive, man. Uh, they sure were. Was, that was that was a good team. I think they played with a little chip on their shoulder after that. Oh, yeah. After that hurricane, I'd like to I'd like to see what would happen if that would that was played at uh New Orleans, or was I, originally supposed to play. It might have been a different story. Yeah. Uh, so the Tulane quarterback, he impressed me. He oh, he yeah. kind of he played a brand of football that maybe kind of similar to you. Would yeah. you agree with that? Yeah, he, he was Is, tough. Man. Yeah, he was scrappy. Man, he was tough. Uh, it, was, yeah. it was really impressive. Uh, and they, man, they were a yard away from maybe doing something really special. It was, that, that game was a lot of fun. Yeah, that, that was an awesome game. That was awesome. And then last night, you know, you got Milton. Uh, yeah. I was, I, was so, I was so excited for him, man. man. I know he's worked his tail off to get to get back even to walk, man. And then now yeah. he's out there playing against, against the Fighting Irish, man. And, yeah. And the fourth quarter coming in yeah. to – and it looked like he was going to save the day, but came up a little short. I had a lot of QB magic in the last week. Hopefully, oh, yeah. hopefully we can get a little to carry over <laughs> in the next weekend. You never know what can happen. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Preston, bring your, thank you. Bring your horseshoe for us on Saturday. Oh, don't worry. I'll have a horseshoe. <laughs> both, I, I'll have both my shoes up in the stand. I absolutely <laughs> cannot wait. That, that's a great tradition that Brendan Bogner started in Evansville, Indiana, <laughs> at the OVC Championship. Yeah, absolutely yeah, we, great tradition. We, let's keep it PG on here now. <laughs> oh yeah, yep, yep. We won't talk about what happened after the shoes went up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but thank you so much, Preston, for joining yeah, us. This was a blast. I really, really appreciate it. I look forward to this weekend. I look forward to the season. 
and everything else that comes in between and after. Yes, sir. I appreciate y'all having me, man. Yeah, it was sure. awesome Thank meeting you, Preston. Good luck yeah. for the rest of your season. Hey, nice to meet you, too. Yeah. See you on Saturday. See, see you, fellas. See ya. All right. Thanks again for Preston for joining us this week, and good luck to him. And you're Murray State Racers this weekend. Dylan, I know you'll be in Cincinnati for the game this week. Do you have any thoughts on how the game's going to go? Um, I don't know how the game's going to go. I just know I'm really, really excited uh, to see uh, both Murray State and Cincinnati. I, I got to watch a little bit of Cincinnati's game against Miami, Ohio last weekend, and I watched Murray's game against Mississippi Valley State, obviously. And Murray's a very good FCS team. Cincinnati's a very good FBS team. So I, 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 I'm not positive it's going to be a great game. I really hope it is because we've seen, uh, like we talked about in the interview, we've seen these FCS teams be competitive with FBS teams so far this season. So that's all I'm really looking for. I, I want to see a good good outing from Preston and the Racers, and I, I want to see what Desmond Ridders got because he's got a lot of hype, and I, I think we might talk about him a little bit later in the show. Yeah, absolutely. Six, I, I saw this uh, right before we got on, six FCS upsets of FBS teams in week one. That's a pretty right. wild stat to, to start the year. Uh, so I hope it goes up to seven. I'm, I'm hoping for you too. I'm going to be rooting for you guys in that one as well. Uh, all right, we're going to move on to our questions and answers for this week. Excited to get the conversation going around. Uh, some stuff on our mind this week. And to start, I wanted to talk about baseball and specifically Bryce Harper. And I know we will be revisiting our MLB award races next week, but I feel I just felt the need to talk about Bryce Harper because he is having an unreal season. And unless you're following some of the you know nitty gritty baseball accounts uh, on social media, you probably would have no idea that it's happening. Uh, he's second in the NL MVP odds. Uh, just uh, at one point, he was the only player other than Vlad Jr. Uh, slashing 300, 400, 500 on the year. Uh, and really, he's closing in on Tatis. That MVP race is much closer than the AL MVP race is. And really, no one's talking about it. So I have a theory on why that is. But my question really is, why do you think baseball fans just don't care about Bryce Harper anymore? I don't know. I When you said this question, I was like, huh, that is really interesting. Because I, I guess it just wasn't really in the forefront of my brain. Because I, I wasn't thinking about Bryce Harper. I mean, I even... On Memorial Day weekend, I was at Great American Ballpark. I watched the Cincinnati Reds play the Philadelphia Phillies. I don't think Bryce Harper played in that game. I'm almost positive he didn't. And I was just kind of like, whatever. I get to watch Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker and then whoever the Phillies roll out there. Because the Phillies, I mean, they've ended up, they've had a really competitive season. But in May, no one was really like, hey, the Phillies, they're, they're, they might be fighting for a playoff spot as we get towards September. Um I don't know. I've always, I've never been crazy about Bryce Harper. Like I've never really been a fan. And I think he kind of came a little bit before this era where baseball fans are becoming okay with like, Oh, Otani's a special talent. He might not play for my team, but I'm going to appreciate him. Fernando Tatis. He might not play for my favorite team, but he's such a special talent. I'm going to appreciate him. The same way with like the blue Jays, they're, they're young core that everybody loves. It's hard not to love that young core, but not everybody's a Blue Jays fan. They have a great fan base, but they appreciate it. Bryce Harper was just a little bit before that in Washington where everybody was just so gung-ho about, like, I love the Cardinals. I, you love the Tigers. Like, I'm only going to root for my guys. You root for your guys, and that's it. And I think Bryce Harper maybe rubs some people the wrong way with some things he says, and maybe people just don't want to talk about it. I think that happens a lot with baseball is if you rub somebody the wrong way, you just stop getting talked about, which is unfortunate because Bryce Harper's awesome. And he's been awesome basically since he's touched a bat. I mean, I remember when he got drafted, 
they were showing the home runs he was hitting in Nevada. And that is some of the silliest things you'll ever see. You can go on YouTube and watch that. It's absolutely silly. But yeah, I don't know. I just think I think it's probably just Bryce has rubbed people the wrong way. He's he's a little bit older than these young guys that were it's kind of like becoming everybody's baby boys, Otani and Tatis and the Blue Jays. Everybody loves them, but maybe Bryce is just right before that era, which is unfortunate because he's awesome. But I want to hear your theory on why he's kind of been forgotten about maybe. Yeah, so I'm a I I will fully admit I'm one of the, I'm a pretty big Bryce Harper fan. I would I was one of one of the many on that bandwagon when he got on that uh, Sports Illustrated cover when he was a sophomore in high school. Or I was like, okay, this dude's gonna be the next big thing. And, and I think a big part of baseball fans, you know, either loving or hating Bryce Harper because he's such a polarizing type of guy. Uh, is a lot to do with his come up and the the phenom status that he had, uh, and comparing that to the the come up that Mike Trout had at basically the exact same time. Uh, what we thought Bryce Harper was going to be was what Mike Trout ended up being. Is basically what happened. You know, Bryce Harper was supposed to be just this one of a kind baseball talent who was going to hit, uh, lead the MLB in home runs while also you know leading batting average OPS and all that and it ended up being that Mike Trout, someone who was kind of overlooked in the draft, ended up doing all of those things while Bryce Harper's just had, you know, you know, he's had a very good, very solid career, but, you know, just underwhelming compared to what we thought it was going to be. So I think that's been a big part of just what the the mood around Bryce Harper has been, because if he doesn't just, you know, destroy every baseball, if he's not the best player in the MLB, I think people just you know that combined with the massive contract he signed in Philadelphia it makes people go okay he's underperforming for what I expect for Bryce Harper so it doesn't it makes it makes him seem less good than he is because he's having a great year but you still expect more from him you you know he's not hitting 300 and you're like oh my god he's not hitting 300 why is Bryce Harper but that's a hard thing to do there's not a lot of guys in the MLB hitting 300 this year. So uh, the fact that he's having a year like he is uh, and just being overlooked by some people, I think it's, you know, people have just gotten over the Bryce Harper phase and, and we're kind of upset that he didn't become what he did. So now, you know, they kind of take it out on him when he doesn't, doesn't do what he needs to do. So uh, I think it's unfortunate because I, I, I like Bryce. I think he, you know, he was one of the leaders before Tatis was doing the, you know, the bat flips and stuff. He was the, I want to make baseball fun again. And I, I loved Bryce for that. Uh, and it just kind of sucks that he's having a, such a dominant season in Philly. Uh, and it's kind of just getting overlooked. Obviously there's guys that are having amazing seasons it's tough not to talk about the MLB and not talk about what Shohei has done this year. Um, and Tatis, you know, has you know, cemented himself as a, a future superstar. Uh, you know, obviously one of the best players in the league right now, but it just sucks. I, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of love to be dealt out to a lot of guys. I mean, the fact that Bryce Harper didn't make an all-star team this year, and he's probably going to, you know, finish at least second in the MVP voting. Uh, I think just the conversation around Bryce Harper needs to change a little bit because he's still a really awesome baseball player to watch. Uh, I think just people maybe overlook him a little bit. I wonder if I, I didn't even think about the fact that he came in at the same time as Trout almost. And, that it makes a lot of sense. They're both outfielders. They both hit the piss out of the baseball. And maybe Trout has been a little bit more consistent. But I don't even know if that argument really go. But Mike Trout is one of the best players ever. That's it's hard to compare anyone to Mike Trout. That's just not fair. Bryce Harper's awesome. And I wonder if this 
and I don't know how we could look at this, but I wonder if this kind of cloud over Harper got even bigger after he went to Philadelphia. Because those fans, I mean, <laughs> Philadelphia fans are a special breed, and I think that's pretty well known. So I I wonder if it's, hey, we got Bryce Harper, and we expect him to be chasing pennants and World Series, and it hasn't really happened. So that very well could happen. I mean, they ran Carson Wentz and everyone else out of the Eagles organization. Um, so I don't know. I That could have something to do with it because I – Harper is incredible. When you look at the numbers, he's definitely right there for MVP. And if Tatis isn't careful, he could get that stolen from him. And it seemed like he had it locked up. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, it's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that massive contract he signed with Philly, I think, does – you got to live up to that. And, and in some seasons, he hasn't. I think that's, you know, the other thing that you can knock on Bryce is, you know, his best seasons, like that that MVP season that he had back in whenever it was. I can't remember when it was. But – some unreal numbers, but then he followed it up with just a, you know, just an okay average season after that. So his highs are really good, but he can bottom out pretty quickly, but I, I enjoy it when he's playing at his best. And, and I think, you know, the MLB community as a whole should, should do so as well. Uh, my other question revolves around fantasy football because we drafted teams this week. Uh, we're both in the same league with our coworker, Colby Marcio, uh, and we drafted right next to each other in the draft on Tuesday. I just wanted to know how you're feeling about your team and the fantasy football season as a whole as it gets started this week. So I'm very excited about the team I got in Colby's league. Uh, I've been in two other fantasy drafts so far as we're getting ready for football season, actually starting tonight with the Buccaneers and Cowboys. And the other two drafts, I was like, this, I'm, I'm out of money. One of the, one of the leagues was 50 bucks. And I was like, well, I lost 50 bucks. I whatever. I, <laughs> I, it went really bad, but this one, uh, it went really, really well. I, my starting lineup, I still can't believe it's my starting lineup. I have Tom Brady, Derek Henry, which I have you to thank for Derek Henry. Um, Miles Sanders, Stefan Diggs, Julio Jones, George Kittle. Um, Chase Edmonds is in my slot right now. I don't know if that's going to last, but we'll see. Bro- the Broncos defense. And then uh, my boy, young way from Atlanta. And right now I'm projected the most points in the league uh, at 131.5. as my total projected points, which is crazy. I, I don't know if they're going to live up to it, but I'm very, very happy. And I, I think I got some sleepers on the bench. Snag Corey Davis, former Titan. I think he's going to be really, really good with Zach Wilson. Uh, Raheem Morstead out of uh, San Francisco. Baker Mayfield. Marquez Callaway, who I got to watch several times when he played for Tennessee. Uh, and then Sterling Shepard's a guy I've loved since he was at Oklahoma. I've had him in fantasy almost every year since he's been in the NFL. Uh, grabbed Michael Carter, rookie out of North Carolina for the Jets. And then uh, my boy ASAP Burke for the Titans. Uh, I think he's a he's a real secret that not a lot of people know about because he's uh, a name that people don't know, and he's going to be a starting tight end. Uh, so he probably won't get many uh, starts over George Kittle because Kittle's one of the best in the league. But you never know, and it keeps it from someone else. Uh, how would you feel about the draft on Tuesday? It was a fun draft. Uh, I had a little bit of technical issues in the middle of it, of course. Uh, right as it started, a, a storm blew through Michigan. Uh, my power flickered for maybe an instant, and that knocked out my cable for the rest of the night. So I had to figure out a way to get around that. I missed just like one or two picks, but I'm still really happy with my team. Uh, like you said, in the first round, I had that choice to take Derrick Henry, uh, but I decided not to. I decided to let him fall to you. Uh, I was going to take him if you weren't right there next to me because uh, I knew that you were lining up to to get him. So I decided to go 
uh, with Travis Kelsey in the first round, which I think was maybe a bit of a reach for Kelsey. But when you get the top tight end in fantasy football, uh, you're happy most of the time at the end of the year. So I'm going to take Travis Kelsey, banking on the fact that he's the probably going to be the best tight end in the the league again. So I'm happy with that. I've talked about how much I like the Cowboys. Uh, They're starting tonight. So Dak's getting the start tonight. That's my quarterback. I've also got Clyde Edwards, Elair, James Robinson at uh, Jacksonville. That was one of my auto picks that kind of, but still happy with that there. Uh, CD Lamb is going to be a very solid wide receiver one along with Adam Thielen. I wanted to get Justin Jefferson, but Colby took him uh, right before I could get him. So, uh, I'll take Adam Thielen. He's going to be just as good, probably, uh, even though I'm expecting big things from Justin Jefferson this year. Uh, I've got an interesting situation. Another one of my auto picks was Javante Williams at Denver. So I decided to get Melvin Gordon along with them. So whoever is getting the most carries in Denver, uh, I'm hopefully going to be getting the points from them. Uh, and then I've got the Ravens defense along with Matt Prater, the former Lions kicker. Uh, the only reason I took him was because I know at some point he's going to hit like a 60 yarder and I'm going to feel really good about that pick. So uh, it may be a boom bust type kicker, but I'm, I'm happy to have Matt Prater. Uh, and then I've got some good good guys on the bench. I've got Curtis Samuel on the bench right now. He's questionable right now, but he'll most likely be in my starting lineup at some point during the year. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, uh, I think is going to be awesome for Jacksonville this year. Uh, Henry Ruggs, uh, Devontae Parker, James White out of New England, and uh, Tua as my backup quarterback. And I'm, I'm hoping the Dolphins are going to be pretty good this year. Uh, maybe... Uh, Maybe not, but I, I, I'm, I'm hoping for big things from Tua this year. So I, I think it's pretty solid. Uh, I, I'm never good at fantasy football. I'm, I'm always terrible at fantasy football. So um, hopefully, uh, hopefully this year is a little bit different, though. I'm, I'm feeling good about my team. Uh, we'll get, I'll get to see my quarterback in action tonight. So uh, excited about that. Uh, what questions do you have for me this week? Well, first, I want to say. I was I really wanted Curtis Samuel because I've talked about how much I love Washington and I, I'm very excited to watch Washington this year. I've almost adopted them as my NFC team because I just really, really like what they're doing. Um but yeah, Curtis Samuel really, really like that pick. I think he's awesome and he's a he's a buckeye. And I that you know he's gotta be good if you're getting him and he's a buckeye. Um uh, my he, question he, Curtis Samuel had one of the the most painful plays for me as a Michigan fan. Uh because everyone remembers the spot with JT Barrett, but no one remembers the play right before that when we had them about third and 15 and Curtis Samuel ran about 20 yards backwards and still ended up making it to a fourth and one. If we would have just tackled him uh, on that play uh, that we wouldn't have even had to stop JT on on that spot, but go ahead with your questions. (laughs) Hey, he's electric and he's going to help you in fantasy. So there you go. Um, (laughs) I'm going to stick with football and I did it for both my questions. Cause I am just, I'm really fired up for football right now. Um, college football. It, it's really got going in the last two weeks or so. Um, and something that's the really only thing that's been the downer is how long games take. And, um, and a reason for that is all the targeting calls and all the penalty calls that uh, go on in a game. And we've talked about this a little bit because it, it's a huge conversation every year when, college football gets going um what do you think about the rule and do you think it's hurting college football so obviously we don't have it in the nfl um some some uh states have it in high school uh, and then how can what can we do to fix it if it is hurting the game you know this is an argument that i see both sides of because it's tough on one hand 
it's obviously something we're going to need to, you know, the, the hard hits to the head, the, the dangerous hits that they're trying to, to get out of the game by these targeting rules are something that needs to be out of the game. It's just, you know, as, as much as we want to say, you know, that's old school football and you need to be able to take hits. If we don't, if we can't protect the players down the road, then we're not going to have football down the road. It's just, that's just as how it's going to be. They're going to go play other sports because there's just no point in subjecting yourself to massive head injuries over and over and over again for a a minuscule shot at playing in the NFL and making some money off of it. So um, we really need to be able to protect players at the same, on the other side, uh, the targeting rule, you know, it gets a little bit too much uh, because uh, you know, we all can, while we don't want refs judging intent, uh, we as fans are always judging intent. And with these targeting rules, the intent is taken out of it. And I think that is what gets under a lot of people's skin a lot of the time, especially when you go to review it, uh, because the rules are, are a little bit vague, a little bit, you know, people don't understand that they're not reviewing if they intentionally tried to target someone, they're just reviewing if the rules were actually broken. And, and it's a it's a tough spot when you also add an ejection on top of that, because players most of the time are trying to get away from that. You know, the targeting rule has been in for so long that coaches, it has had the effect that coaches are trying to take that coach that out of the game. Um, So most of the time when targeting comes into effect, it's, it's an honest accident. It's a guy's going to the ground uh, and, you know, he's lower than he thought he was. And then all of a sudden the head makes contact with the head. They're trying to lead with the shoulder and the head just kind of glances at the head. So um, I think on one case, I see, you know, a way, you know, sort of like the incidental face mask penalty that we used to have in college football and pro football, where uh, we can judge intent in that way where, you know, he wasn't trying to target him, but that's still a play that we need out of the game. So, you know, it's still a 15 yard penalty, but you don't get ejected. Um, but at the same token, I think the ejections do the job and what they, there's a reason that coaches have coached that out of the game. It's because it's not because they don't want the penalty because they can take the 15 year penalty. They don't want to lose a valuable player of their defense for, you know, possibly the rest of the game or a half of the next game. Um, so I see both sides of it. I see why it makes sense, but I think there's just, you know, there should be a way to judge intent in that way. And I think it's, it, it, it's something that we need to do in sports more often. I think we have enough cameras. We have enough ways to review these things. We can really judge what a player is doing. You know, it, it's, it's pretty obvious when the guy's leading with his head, not really obeying the targeting rules versus a guy who accidentally breaks the rules. So I just want to see some leeway uh, so that we don't get guys ejected for, for, you know, silly mistakes rather than, you know, intentional malicious plays. Yeah, and I I agree. I I think it's such a it's a rule that nobody likes, but everybody thinks is like yeah, it's it's doing its job. It's it's keeping guys safe. No one wants any of the guys playing on Saturdays or Fridays or Sundays to get hurt, and um, they don't want them to have head to head collisions where down the road they um, they have dis they can have anything happen to them that no one wants to see. That everybody wants everybody to stay healthy and uh, healthy and in just great shape. Um, I, I think the problem with targeting is, like you said, with it, the human aspect of it with the referees. And we've talked about this with other sports. Um, I, I think the, the fix that I have in mind is, which I doubt this would ever happen. I love college football, but they don't do a lot of things the smartest way. 
Uh, college football is kind of like uh, kind of board heavy. They like to have they've got the college football playoff board with it. All these people meet to decide like who who do we want in this college football playoff? Who do we want in this poll in the top twenty five? All that. Why not have it like the NBA where if a rule needs to be called reviewed. You send it off to New York. You send it off to wherever it wants to be. And these people can sit for five minutes or whatever it is. Because they take that time anyways in the game to look at it. It takes forever for these calls to be reviewed and decide whether the guy's going to be ejected or not. And then they can decide. So it's unbiased. They're not in the heat of the game with these guys. Because, I mean, refs are right there by these guys. And they can they can rub shoulders. And uh, guys can say stuff to say things to refs and get under their skin. And you never know what can happen. And you don't want that to come in, uh, come into a factor of whether somebody's going to get ejected or not. So I, that would be an interesting way to do it. I think uh, I don't know if it would fully accomplish maybe uh, taking that time away and uh, extending the game, but it might be a way to clean up the, the bias and uh, maybe get a good way of judging intent and such. But I don't know. I think it's, I, I do think it's necessary the rule is. And I think, like you said, it's cleaned up the game a lot because coaches are coaching it. And it, it does seem like we're seeing a lot less helmet to helmet contact since it's come in. I, we, it really does seem like we're seeing that. I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's something we're going to deal with kind of for just the rest of time. Uh, it's just kind of something. I think a lot of people get used to it, but when, when college football gets started up, the, everybody's sitting at home watching football on Labor Day weekend. They're like, Oh, we got to deal with another one of these 10 minute, uh, intervals where we get to watch 37 Applebee's commercials and they're they're going to talk about targeting for the whole time, which isn't fun, but they're just trying to keep guys safe and trying to make the game as safe as possible, fun as possible, and as good as possible, which we can do nothing but appreciate that. Um, and for my second question, as I, trans, as, I, um, as I go on from targeting to some more fun stuff, uh, I'm going to keep it with football. NFL is kicking off this weekend. We're starting tonight, actually, with Tampa Bay and Dallas, which is going to be an awesome game. I just want to know, is there a single better weekend of the entire year? I, not even just sports, but just a single better weekend, the NFL kickoff weekend, opening weekend. Because, I mean, you've got NFL, college football. There's meaningful baseball on. I mean, there's just every, anything you want. I'd assume there's fights on somewhere if you would like to watch boxing or UFC I'm sure you could find it but I just want to know is there a single better weekend I mean it's a great weekend no doubt uh you know my first thought was college football but then you know the college football weekend is by itself basically there is no NFL NFL you get the best of both worlds so the the only thing and and it's not really a weekend it's just a full week uh in the sports world there's nothing that beats March Madness the first week of March Madness uh that's my favorite time of the year in in anything and it holidays or anything the first weekend of March or the first week of March Madness games uh is unbeatable in my mind uh but uh in terms of you know the football slate actually getting going you know it really doesn't get better than this um maybe the only only better uh, the only thing that can compete with it is that late December early January time when the college football playoffs are starting to get going and the NFL playoffs are, are almost getting going, you know, the, the division races are finally getting decided and the wild card races are really heating up uh, that time of year, but that's a very vague time. And then it changes a little bit. The, the opening weekend of, of, of the NFL uh, is really unmatched in terms of football weekends. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a blast. And I, like you said, March Madness, that, 
that time, that Thursday through Sunday frame, it, you can't really beat it. And I, I think these are just right neck and neck. And I'm not going to call them a tie because I don't want that cop out. I, I March Madness might be it. I I really love college basketball, but with everything going on with the being NFL, and we we've got kind of an idea of what these college teams are doing. We've seen a little bit of action, so we're getting excited for what to see. I think this might edge it out. I, I there's a lot of excitement. No matter who your team is, you're excited to see the the ball snapped and uh, uh, just everything going on with the opening festivities. And I'm really excited to be in Cincinnati with the Bengals having a home opener on Sunday and maybe going to it. I don't know. Future Dylan will know that answer next week. I, I don't know if I'll be in attendance at uh, Paul Brown Stadium on Sunday or not, but I hope I am. Um, yeah, I think it's a great weekend. I, I really do. It's, one of these, it's just you get – Every few months you get these weekends where there's just so much going on. There's so much excitement, uh, and this is one of them. And this is one of the good ones because everyone's enthusiastic because, like, the playoff weekends, it's just a few fan bases. And then, obviously, super fans are like, oh, it's playoff time. But uh, right now everybody's just like, it's football. We get to watch our teams be – and even, like, Texan fans might fool themselves and be like, hey, we're going to be okay. Tyrod Taylor is going to lead us to greatness, and we're going to – we're going to escape out of the AFC South. I don't think that's going to happen, but they can think that. And that's the great thing about this weekend. I was thinking about that too. It's just, you know, hope for NFL fan bases is at an all time high. And this is the, this is the week where it's at an all time high and it will, about, it'll basically cut in half after this weekend and it'll keep going farther and farther down after that. But uh, we can at least, as NFL fans together, be as hopeful in our teams uh, as each other, because we're all 0-0. Season starts tonight with the Cowboys uh, getting going tonight. So excited for that. Always love the discussions that these questions bring up. We will be moved back to football as we look forward one more time before the season is officially underway with tonight, Cowboys and the Bucks kicking off. So we're going to let you guys know the individuals we are watching for the biggest awards in both college football and professional football, the Heisman Trophy, as well as the NFL MVP award. We'll start in the college ranks since we've already seen a few games already. Dylan, what are your way too early Heisman thoughts? So I have two guys. They're both quarterbacks that I have on my way, way too early Heisman watch coming off one entire football game for each of them. That, that I got that much of a, of a preview and I was like, all right, let's send them to New York. Uh, They need to be there for the ceremony in December Uh, first. And I imagine he's on everybody's short list right now. Um, Red shirt freshman quarterback at the university of Alabama, Bryce Young. I hate that he's in crimson because he is so much fun to watch. And he is, if Sunday or last Saturday was a preview of what we're going to see all year, because Miami they had a lot of hype. Miami's been playing really good defense the last few years. What he did with an offense that some said was depleted, which is a crazy way to describe an Alabama offense. I've been watching them my whole life. They've never been depleted. There might be question marks because they're 18 years old and they were, I don't know, the number one player in their area before coming to Alabama. I, if that's a question mark, sure. But um for some reason, not everybody was sold that Alabama was going to just dominate again. They are, and they showed it against 
I think is a good Miami team. I, I want Miami to be good. They've they've shown improvement. I think Manny Diaz has done a good job on South Beach and Coral Gables, but cool, they they put a whooping on him. Bryce Young was really impressive. Uh and I mean it, it just makes you think he's gonna be there in New York in December, the second weekend or whatever it is, and and probably in the college football playoff, like just seems like Alabama has one of the four spots every year at this point, and Bryce Young's just gonna be the man to lead them. Like the last three quarterbacks, whatever it's been in Tuscaloosa. And then the other one is a guy I get to watch this weekend. It's not Preston Rice. I wish it was Preston Rice, but I don't believe Preston can qualify for the Heisman. Um, I'm talking about Cincinnati's quarterback, Desmond Ritter. Um, Desmond is a Kentucky guy. He's from Louisville. He went to St. Xavier High School in Louisville, Kentucky. So I've known about him for a little while because uh, he, when he was coming up through high school, they're like, this kid is St. X. He's He's something. He he can do some things. Then they announced he was committing to Cincinnati. I was like, okay, keep an eye on this kid, Cincinnati, Ritter. And then he's got Cincinnati. All he's does is just get better and better. Started making noise last year. Cincinnati put together a really good season. And then I think he got a real big spotlight on him in that bowl game against Georgia where they – I mean, they beat Georgia. They did. They, they had him beat, and they – just weird, weird, weird clock management. Um and Georgia was able to take advantage of it and get a field goal and escape with a win. Uh, that game blew me away, and it might have been big-time bias because I don't love Georgia, and he's a Kentucky guy, and I was in Cincinnati for that bowl game, so it might have just been a lot of euphoria, and I just kind of fell under for it, but he just was really, really impressive. I think Luke Fickle's done a great job with him, and they showed that last week against Miami of Ohio, which is not – they both played against Miami. He's both Bryce Young. And Desmond Ritter, the Miami, the Bryce Young torch was a little more impressive than the Miami, the Desmond Ritter uh, torch. But you got to you got to play who's in front of you. And he did that. Um, I'm really, really, really excited to watch Desmond Ritter on Sunday. I think I think he's a really, really special player. I think I don't think it matters that he's not in a power five. I think the American Conference is really, really solid. And they've shown that over the last few years. They just got to play who's in front of them. And Cincinnati, they're they're good. And they're going to continue to show it just like they did last year. But yeah, Desmond Ritter and Bryce Young are the two guys on my early Heisman list. What about you? Yeah, like, you know, Cincinnati has done a really good job. We I saw them come into Michigan a few years back, uh, the beginning of the Luke Fickle era. And to see where they've come since then uh, is, is wild. And Desmond Ritter is a really good quarterback. Uh, I think this Heisman Trophy race is, like, I think it's going to be one of the most wide open races of all time. We've obviously talked about a lot about how weird last season was. And so how hard it is to get a sense of any of the teams. So it's, it's even harder to get a sense of like how the, each player is going to translate to this year because last year was so weird. Uh, So, you know, big years from last year are tough to gauge and even, you know, tough years from last year are tough to gauge. Um, But also, you know, Outside of Oklahoma, you know, we've talked about it. all of these all of these top teams are breaking in new quarterbacks. You know, you talked about it with Alabama with with Bryce Young, Clemson with Uangle, Ohio State with Stroud. So, you know, all of these, you know, you know, typical powerhouses are breaking in brand new quarterbacks and we're going to have to see how they do consistently. Um, so it's hard to give favorites right now. Um, I have a few. Uh, Bryce Young is also on my list. And I think of those new quarterbacks I think he's going to be the best of all of them Alabama uh, is just too stacked and you know CJ Stroud uh, is is really good too but 
I honestly think Ohio State's playmakers are are better than C.J. Stroud. I, I think that kind of holds him back in the Heisman conversation because, you know, Alabama's obviously got playmakers, but, you know, Chris Olave is a different story. And that's actually the second player I'm going to mention. I think Chris Olave is going to be in New York at the end of the year. Uh, it hurts me to say that, but I think – that this OSU offense is going to be so dominant. And then he's going to put up some dominant numbers within that dominant offense. Uh, I think he's going to be a wide receiver invited to New York this year. I think he's going to just, it's going to be stupid what Chris Olave can do against the big 10 this year. Cause I think, you know, we saw Indiana's not as good as we thought it was last year or last week. Um, Penn state might be all right. Their defense looks pretty good, but I think Olave is going to put up some stupid numbers this year. So it hurts me to say it, but I think Olave will be there. And then I still think Spencer Rattler will bounce back after a less than stellar performance against Tulane last week. Um, He's still the most talented quarterback in the most quarterback friendly system. Uh, So I think at the end of the year, he's just going to Oklahoma quarterbacks always have just dumb stats at the end of the year. And it's tough to not put the, even if they have like, a less than you know a, a season less than what we expected he's still going to have more touchdowns and less interceptions than the next guy on the list so uh I think Spencer Rattler uh I, I'd put Chris Olave as my favorite right now because I, I think he's just so dynamic in the Ohio State offense it it pains me every time I say it but uh I, I honestly think he's the best player right now in college football but of course way too early we will see how things move on. We will move on to the NFL. Uh, Dylan, who are you looking at as possible MVP candidates for this season? I just want to say something about Chris Olave before I get to my MVP. I love Chris Olave, and I, I can't remember the first time I saw him. I was watching Ohio State, and he made a play, and I was like, oh, my God, that kid's amazing. I don't know who he is. I, I like He turned around, and I was like, that olive kid, he's something special. And I was, I was sitting there with somebody that like, it's Olave. I was like, oh, Alave, and I looked him up, Chris Alave. I was like, okay, I was like, I'll remember this name. And then he just continued just do more and more and more and more, and he is a stud. I would love to see him in New York. He's one of my two favorite receivers in all of college football right now. It's him and Drake London out in uh, Los Angeles, USC. He's a stud. I They need to get the ball to him more. That's my only issue with USC. I love that team. I don't know how I ended up loving the Trojans, but I do. I've almost made myself a fan. Uh, but I really, really, really love the Keaton Slovis, the Drake London connection. I need them to get just more, more action to Drake London. And in a couple of weeks, I might have him in my Heisman watch. I don't know. I'd love to have that, though. I really, really like Drake London. And I really, really like Chris Olave. As far as NFL MVP, though, I don't see either one of them winning NFL MVP this year because they're not in the NFL. Maybe in a couple of years because they're both really great players and I really like them. Um, you know who I want to say for an FL MVP. I think everybody listening knows who I want to say for an FL MVP. He wears number 22 and resides in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm not going to say number 22 for the Tennessee Titans, uh, Derrick Henry. I really, really want to. Uh, that's I, I just don't want to be wrong, and I don't want to set up Derrick for failure because uh, they're not going to give it to a running back. It does not matter because he should have won it last year, in my opinion. Uh, I, I think it's it's BS. That, but it's, it's become a quarterback award, and that's it is what it is. Um, Derek's the best running back in the league, in my opinion. He was the best player last year, in my opinion. But that's that's old old news. We're looking at this year who's gonna who's gonna come away with it. And you've talked a lot about how Aaron Rodgers is really fired up. He's gonna have a big year. He's got a chip on his shoulder. 
I think there's another quarterback that's going to have another uh, a chip on his shoulder that might be just as big. He's a former MVP as well. Out of Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes. I think a lot of people are counting them out for some reason because the Buccaneers boat raced them in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs had a ton of injuries. And that Buccaneers team, as I've said, and we've said, and everyone has said over the past few weeks and months and since Jameis left and they got Tom Brady, that Buccaneers team's awesome. They've got talent everywhere. And even if the Chiefs would have been healthy, they still probably wouldn't have beat that Bucs team. I think a healthy Chiefs team and a highly motivated Mahomes with a highly motivated Travis Kelsey, a highly motivated Tyree Kill, and a highly motivated defense is terrifying. And I don't think anyone wants to see the Chiefs. I don't think anybody would want to see a non-motivated Chiefs team. They're just that talented. But I think I think they're going to have a real big chip on the shoulder. I think Mahomes is going to put up those video game numbers that we got used to in his like red shirt rookie season when he first came out. I I expect really big things from Pat Mahomes, and I expect to see those stupid passes that make no sense. And they're like, you couldn't even do this in Madden because Patrick Mahomes defies the logics of time and space and he's gonna throw a bajillion touchdowns because he's got 17 games and it's gonna be a ton of fun uh Mahomes is is just really really good and I'd like to see him have an MVP season yeah I'm gonna go with Mahomes even though I really want to go with Derrick Henry (laughs) who do you you have uh that's a great pick uh people over I I agree with you people overlooked the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes for what happened the Super Bowl last year uh People forget what he was doing in that Super Bowl. You remember those incompletions that he was throwing? That that people, I I still remember. I think it was the NFL films that they they posted on social media afterwards. And the Buccaneers sidelines just going like, "Dude, how did he just do that? Like, how how was that even possible that he just threw that ball? Not even just got the ball away, but threw it on a line to a in a catchable spot for his receivers. They didn't bring him down, but it was like." He's special. He's he's nothing something like we've never seen before. Uh, so I love that pick. I don't have Pat Mahomes as my as my pick right now. I've got three guys written down uh, as my as my favorites. One, two, and a complete. My third one's completely out of the box. I don't think it'll happen, but I'm just hoping that somehow the NFL changes and it will happen. Uh, my first pick. Uh, you talk about it. Aaron Rodgers. I think is a, a season of destiny this year. I think you know. The 30 for 30 that I'm predicting is going to happen about this team only gets better if he has another MVP season. So I think him and Devontae Adams are going to absolutely tear up the NFC North. The NFC North sucks this year. So he's going to have a whale of a time uh, at least six games of the year. So uh, I'm expecting big things from Aaron Rodgers. Another quarterback I also think could have a huge year is Dak. Dak Prescott, if he is healthy. Uh, he finally got paid this offseason, and this Cowboys team looks really good in another weak division. Uh, that Dak to C.D. Lamb combo just gets better this year with, a health, with him being healthy, and I expect Dak to really bounce back. I'm hoping uh, maybe that's a little bit biased with my, with my fantasy football pick, but I, I actually do think Dak is uh, destined for a really big year, so I, uh, he's my second favorite. And the complete out of the box, you said it's a quarterback's uh, it's a quarterback's award, but if we're going to go with any player other than a quarterback, my favorite player in the league is Justin Jefferson. And I think he is going to be 
have an absolute stud year this year. Uh, you think about the stats that he put up as a rookie and then come back, and he's probably going to be the number one target. Uh, Adam Thielen, you know, is obviously still there, but I, I think Justin Jefferson is just going to progress even more as he gets into the league farther, as he gets more years on, under him. Uh, I think he's going to he's going to be one of those guys that puts up those stupid video game numbers at the wide receiver spot where people are going to have to think about it. They're not they're not going to vote for him, but the it, it'll be like week seven or week eight, and someone's going to be like, "Does Justin Jefferson deserve to be in the MVP conversation?" And that's all. If that if someone if a big ESPN or, or a big writer somewhere has that question somewhere then I'll say that this pick was was worth it in my mind because I I I, I, that's what I'm expecting from Justin Jefferson is just like stupid numbers that you're like okay maybe he is the best player in the league I know he's a wide receiver but maybe he is I like that and I like that you went out of the box so I want to go out of the box and I'm going to do it on the fly because I only had two so I, I want to get one more out there and I'll ask your opinion should I get way out of the box like let's say the box is in like let's say nashville like here's the box i'm gonna be out of it and i'd be in like new york should i get that out of the box i'm taught yeah get as out of the box as you can we didn't have an out of the box draft so we needed something out of the box i'm gonna this could make me look real stupid but i'm okay with it i'm expecting a real big year out of a quarterback that struggled in the last few years the young quarterback he's got a new new uh a new scenario a new coaching staff new new support but some old support uh some guys he knows and i'm talking about the young man out of usc sam darnold i really think he's gonna have a big year and i i could be real real dumb but i think that matt rule offense is really good i think darnold's crazy underrated because he got destroyed by adam gase because adam gase was great with peyton manning but boy oh boy he, every other quarterback he's touched, man, it has not gone well. And he's got Matt Rule, who I absolutely adore. I think he's a great coach. And then if you look at that offense, it is loaded. Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, who Sam Darnold's had the most success of his career with Robbie Anderson. So that's from on this Sunday, fully expect Sam Darnold to go to Robbie Anderson early and often. I'm excited to see that. That defense is really good. They're going to get the ball back to Darnold a lot. Christian McCaffrey's going to eat up yards. Christian McCaffrey's really good at catching the ball and running. It's going to make Sam Darnold's stats look better. I, I am being honest. I do not expect Sam Darnold to be the most valuable player in the National Football League. But I'm getting real out of the box. I'm expecting him to be a lot better than he has been because I think he's very, very talented. I think he's shown that in flashes when he's been allowed to. I think he's in a really, really, really good situation in Carolina. I really like that team. It's them in Washington. I'm like, I just want to adopt them. I love them. I love Washington. I love Carolina. I think they're both really, really fun teams. I expect a lot out of Sam Darnold this year. But, yeah, that's, that's way out of the box. Like, that might even be, like, past, like, New York, like, out in the ocean. Maybe, yeah. like, over to, like, the U.K. It's way out of the box. Yeah, you sent that box on a freighter and put it, put it out to sea and it is somewhere out there right now on its way over in the Atlantic ocean, but Hey, that's what we do. That's what we got to do on these. That's what we got to do. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta get out of the box. Uh, I like it. 
Be sure to let us know on social media what you guys think of our picks and who else you guys think should be in these conversations. Uh, We will move on to this week in sports with a little review preview action. Dylan and I wanted to take a second and look back on what our teams did last week and what we expect for them in the week upcoming. Both Michigan and Tennessee got wins last week over Mac opponents while the Lions and Titans get going on Sunday Dylan, what are your thoughts on your teams this week? We'll start with the the college ranks because they played already. So I think I'm one of few people that was really impressed with Tennessee against Bowling Green. I I don't know what it was, but I just the difference between Tennessee under Josh Heupel and Tennessee under Jeremy Pruitt from last year, I think people forgot just how bad Tennessee was on offense. And it's a lot of the same players. There are new faces. Joe Milton come over from Michigan, and there's new receivers, but a lot of the guys are the same. A lot of the same linemen, tight end, a few of the receivers, uh, running backs are both new. But still, a lot of the same faces that were in just a terrible offense. And at the beginning of that game, they were going, and it looked really good. And I was like, we haven't seen stuff like that since, like, Josh Dobbs and Jalen Hurd and Alvin Kamara, guys that were really, really good. So that was really encouraging. And they won by 31 points, 32 points, whatever it was. We've talked about a lot of D1. I'm not going to say D1, they're all D1, FCS and FBS. A lot of Power 5 schools struggled against FCS opponents uh, this past weekend. Uh, Six teams, like you said, lost FCS opponents. Bowling Green's a MAC school. They're they're no slouch. I mean, they were not good last year, but they had a lot of transfers. That's still a MAC school. The MAC plays competitive football. That's that's not a bad football conference at all. And Tennessee dominated them for the whole game. I, I don't know why people were so down about it. People are concerned about Joe Milton's passing numbers. I think I'm just I'm being very optimistic because I I think there were some drops that hurt him. I think Joe maybe threw the ball a little hard sometimes, which has been a concern with him, even at Michigan and then now at Tennessee. I think there's the mistakes that they made are very, very um, they're very easily fixed. And I I was not looking forward to their game this weekend against Pittsburgh at all. I I really, really, really like what Pittsburgh's done the past few years. They've been competitive against basically everyone. Um, and I was like, they're going to come into Knoxville and destroy Tennessee. They play really good defense. I was like, they're going to shut this offense down. But I don't know. It's a it's a noon kickoff. Tennessee fans are crazy. They're, they're almost like those Philadelphia fans I was talking about earlier. They might be a little bit nicer. Philadelphia fans are they're kind of mean. Tennessee fans are too if, if you're not on – their side but i i just see the good side of tennessee fans i they're going to be rowdy that's for sure because i mean pittsburgh they've been talking about how they've they've endured these crazy atmospheres like happy valley and clemson and notre dame knox was different because tennessee's not good so tennessee fans are clamoring to win any game they don't care who it is pittsburgh sure we they just want the win so i i think neyland's going to be rocking but I think Pittsburgh's probably going to beat them. I'm not very optimistic. I don't think the win's happening. I think Heupel's first test against the against the Power 5 team, he's probably going to come up a little short. It, it reminds me a lot of when Tennessee played BYU a couple years ago. It was one of Zach Wilson's first starts at BYU. I think it's going to be competitive throughout. It'll be a little different. I think there's going to be more points scored in this one, but uh, I think Pittsburgh's probably going to come away with it. Tennessee struggles to close out these, these non-conference games against teams that are I think are pretty similar. I, I don't know that Pittsburgh is crazy good this year, but I think they've just got experience and they know how to play just good football. I think that's going to be the difference maker. Tennessee's still learning their identity, which sucks, but it's going to be fun. 
Uh, They're going to put up points. I feel sure of that because that hype offense is something else. It's fun. And I think Joe Milton is going to have flashes, and Joe Milton's going to have times where I'm like, man, that was not fun at all. Why did he do that? But I don't know. I'm excited. Um, That's all I can really ask for with Tennessee football at the moment because six months ago, I was like, I'm never going to be excited again. It's all going to go to the pits of hell. But it doesn't seem so. I think it's going to be okay. Uh, How do you feel about the – about the big blue in Michigan. I just want to, one quick thing about Joe Milton. I saw a tweet while you guys were playing that said, if you need Joe Milton to throw the ball 40 yards, he'll throw it 40 yards. If you need Joe Milton to throw the ball 30 yards, he'll still throw it 40 yards. So then that, that that's what I'm I expect. I'm glad you from... said that. My, my dad called me Friday morning after they played Thursday. He called me Friday morning. He said, you know, that Milton kid, he's pretty good. I was like, yeah, I like him. I think, I think he's going to learn. I think he's going to come into himself in the orange and white he's like yeah he's like you know I think he could throw some nice 70 year old passes this year I was like yeah I, I think he definitely could like he, like Mahomes he does that in the NFL he's like yeah but you know we might call a screenplay and he'll throw it 70 yards I was like yeah <laughs> he might do that. That, that that's the Joe Milton experience though I'm excited <laughs> absolutely it is a it's a High highs and low lows, and you got the high highs. Let's hope it's not the low lows already from Pittsburgh this week. Uh, for Michigan, uh, things went well last week, uh, almost perfect. I would say nine out of ten boxes were checked. We we dominated Western Michigan, which we, we should have done. Uh, our offense looked good. We ran the ball well. Uh, Caden Ackmara looked solid. You know he's a game manager quarterback. We we knew that coming in, but he looked solid in, in in his time at quarterback. And even the freshmen looked really good. We have two five star freshmen, uh, JJ McCarthy, the quarterback, and Donovan Edwards, the running back. Both of them looked pretty good in their in their limited amount of time. So there was really nothing from the gameplay that looked really bad. I thought the defense uh, looked better this year. We're breaking a new defensive coordinator after Don Brown finally uh, went off into wherever he's at now. Um, uh, the biggest issue, uh, obviously, was losing wide receiver Ronnie Bell uh, to a torn ACL, losing him for the season, and that just it, it puts a lot of pressure on a, a wide receiver group that was already really inexperienced. Uh, Ronnie Ronnie was the only guy with a ton of experience, but now we're our, our next biggest guy is Cornelius Johnson with twenty catches. Uh, something happened. Let me. <laughs> yeah. So. Um... My sports update, many of you might be familiar on uh, Twitter. He likes to tweet out a lot of breaking news in the NFL. He just tweeted that um, Ravens running back Gus Edwards has torn his ACL, I believe. Uh, yeah, he tore his ACL. So he's the third Ravens running back in the last two weeks to uh, either tear an ACL or tear an Achilles. J.K. Dobbins tore his ACL on August 28th. Justin Seal tore his Achilles on September 2nd. And Gus Edwards today tears his ACL. They signed Le'Veon Bell. Uh, yeah. Squad. So we might get some Le'Veon Bell action this weekend. <laughs> it sounds like Le'Veon Bell that... is just <laughs> everyone's just tearing their wow. ACL, getting out of the way of Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> That's crazy. That's All right, back to Michigan. Unfortunate for the Ravens. Yeah. Unfortunate for John Harbaugh. Back to Jim Harbaugh's team. Uh, you know, and, and you know, back to our own torn ACL with Ronnie Bell. Uh, it, we he was our most experienced uh wide receiver. The next Next most experienced wide receiver is Cornelius Johnson, who's played in basically just a, a COVID shortened season, only had 20 catches. It, it, it's, it's, it's tough. It really sucks because I thought Ronnie was going to have a really big year. I thought this 
this might be a year where he could maybe enter some draft conversations, some later round draft conversations. Uh, he'll probably be back next year. I'll assume he'll get a medical register or at least another year of eligibility, but it just, it hurts when we've got a quarterback who I don't think is extremely talented with a bunch of wide receivers who aren't very experienced. It's a, it's a tough combo uh, to then go in and play a Pac-12 team in Washington. Fortunately, Washington doesn't look as good as maybe we once thought because they are coming off a loss, a very bad loss to FCS Montana uh, over the weekend uh, where they only scored seven points uh, in the entire game and scored it in the first drive. So they went basically 50 minutes of of scoreless football against an FCS team uh, as a ranked power five team. That's the only other that's Washington and Michigan are the only ranked power five teams to ever lose to uh, FCS teams. And Michigan was when they lost to App State. So it's a very eerie kind of, uh, you know, parallel. It's an eerie kind of parallel because Michigan lost to App State. Then we had to play a really good Oregon team the next week with Dennis Dixon and got our, our doors blown off. Washington loses to an FCS Montana team. Now they have to come to Michigan and play a big 10 team that, Hopefully we'll blow their doors off. Uh, I, I'm hoping we don't overlook Washington because they just lost, but I do. it's going to come down to our defense because what happened with Washington was they scored on their first drive, Montana made an adjustment, and Washington could not score the rest of the game. And that's a bad sign if it's an FCS team. We should be able to do that. Uh, but like I said, we're breaking in a new defensive coordinator. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to see how that works. We're facing one of our favorite our, – former wide receivers in Giles Jackson. He transferred to Washington. So that makes it a little bit more fun. Uh, I'm expecting Michigan to win now. I think last week, you pro- if you would have asked me, I would have said I'm expecting Washington to win. But I think I'm expecting Michigan to win now. Uh, it'll be a close game under the lights. It'll be on ABC. You can catch us there. Uh, and hopefully you'll see me out in the stands going crazy for, my, for, for Michigan. We'll move on to the NFL as our teams get officially underway on Sunday. Uh, how you feeling about your Titans this week? So if you're watching this on YouTube, I Dylan's probably thinking this just like all of you are. Why is he wearing sunglasses? I'll tell you why. Because the future of the Titans is so daggum bright that I, I have to put them on. I dim it. I am so daggum excited for uh, the NFL season to start in this this week one matchup with the Arizona Cardinals that the Titans have is very, very exciting. So the Cardinals are a team that I really like, and it showed in our NFL power rankings. I ranked them pretty high. Um, both I, – I think the Titans and Cardinals are two teams that are kind of comparable uh, in the NFC and AFC. They're two teams that made a lot of big moves in the offseason, uh, brought in established names to kind of help units that needed help. They brought in J.J. Watt. Titans bring in Julio. Um, and they also – Cardinals also brought in A.J. Green, another big splash of wide receiver for uh, Arizona. I, I think it's two teams that are good. They made big moves, like I said, in the offseason. They also had really good drafts. I, I like the moves uh, Arizona made, and I, I've harped on this a lot. But I really, really, really love the Rondell Moore pick for Arizona. I He's a Kentucky guy he, from Louisville, Trinity High School, then going to Purdue, playing for another Kentucky guy in Jeff Brom, uh, tore it up at Purdue. I, I imagine – Every Big Ten fan uh, does not like hearing the name of Rondell Moore because he was awesome. Uh, I think he's going to be really good in the NFL, too. I, I really have faith he will. But it's a shame he has to start his career week one against the Tennessee Titans because I don't see any way Mike Vrabel and the Titans are losing that game. I just really don't. There's so much hype. 
uh, they they all just got cleared off the COVID list. I think everybody's good to go as far as I know. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's gonna be a lot of fun in Nashville this weekend. I think there's gonna be a lot, a lot of points scored in that game. I don't think either Cliff Kingsbury or Mike Vrabel is gonna be really concerned about uh, how many points are on the board because I think there's gonna be a lot of them because Kyler Murray's explosive. That entire offense is explosive. Derrick Henry, I don't think he really cares who's in front of him. He's gonna he's gonna get his yards. He's gonna I imagine he's gonna score. I have full faith in that. And then Julio and AJ and ASAP Ferk. I talked about him earlier. I I'm so excited. Chester Rogers had a big preseason. I the young defense guys. I can't wait. Cannot wait to watch it. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Titans are gonna be one and zero, or they'll be zero and one and all look stupid. And I should have hyped up the Cardinals this whole time. I don't know. We'll find out. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Now going from the Titans, let's hear about your Detroit Lions. Yeah, a little less excited to talk about my Detroit Lions this week, but uh, I'm very happy I didn't ask about the the sunglasses and let you, let, let that come out naturally because it was a lot better that way. Um, the Detroit Lions get their season started, and I talked about it when we previewed the Detroit Lions. This start of the season sucks. Uh, we start with the 49ers at home, then we go on the road to Green Bay, and then we come back home just to play the Baltimore Ravens. So uh, I think that's a quick 0-3. I don't really need to – I think we're going to lose to the 49ers. I don't think that it's much of a debate. The 49ers are a much better football team than we are right now. Um, I'm more just – what I'm interested to see in this game, I'm really interested to see what Jared Goff looks like as the Lions quarterback. It's been a long time since I've seen anyone other than Matthew Stafford take snaps as our quarterback. So I'm just interested to see how that looks with a different guy at quarterback. I think, you know, maybe some people have written off Jared Goff a little bit early in his career. Uh, something we've said about Sam Darnold. Uh, it's different because the Rams were really good uh, it, at the time that they're giving up on golf. So it makes a little bit more sense, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see, I, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting and I'm hoping Deandre Swift has a, a real bounce back here. I'm hoping he becomes the lions, you know, future, you know, core player that they can build around. Cause I, I thought he was awesome at Georgia. I thought who, whatever NFL team was going to have a steal when they got him, And it almost kind of disappointed me when we got him Cause I knew we were going to be bad when we had him, but you know, I'm really hoping he works out because we've had we didn't have much success with Carryon Johnson out of Auburn. So I'm hoping our the second SEC running back we take uh, has a little bit more success for us. But I'm just you know I'm excited for NFL in general. I'm excited for the football season to get underway tonight with uh, Tampa and Dallas. Uh, all right, it is finally time for us to wrap up with our college football peaks picks of the week. Wisconsin. Uh, both let us down last week, but Dylan's Georgia pick gave him a five and one record over my four and two record on the year. Uh, this week, we each picked a game for us to pick, uh, as well as having our colleague Colby pick the third game for us. So Dylan picked the Iowa Iowa State matchup. I picked the Ohio State Oregon game, and Colby had us pick between Western Kentucky and Army. So we were going to start with Colby's game, WKU versus Army. Uh, how do you feel about this game, Dylan? I'm conflicted because um, I'm from West Kentucky. I, I, this is where I live, where I planted my roots, as they say. Born in Paducah, the, the far, one of the farthest west parts of Kentucky. Um, but my brother and grandfather, both part of the Army. So I've always kind of rooted for Army. I've always kind of rooted for WKU. So it makes it, it, makes it tough. Uh, I think I'm going to go with WKU solely because um, – I can't remember their quarterback's name. I really hope you ever wrote it down. If not, they're tra- they have a transfer quarterback who is awesome. I cannot think of his name to save my life. 
He's awesome. Um, and I, he had a big week last week. I want to say he threw, threw like four touchdowns. I'm not positive. But he had a really big week. I'm going to go with WKU because I really want him to be the real deal and um, and have another big week. And I, when WKU is really good at football, it's a lot of fun. And so I'm, I'm going to go with the Hilltoppers. Um, I think it's Bailey something. I don't know. Yeah, a quick fact check is Bailey Zapp is the transfer yeah. quarterback for yeah. WKU this year. Uh, under third-year coach Tyson Helton. Uh, definitely yeah, Tyson Helton, Helton from – Tyson Helton from Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, that's that connection to this WKU team. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I reckon I'm gonna go with WKU. Uh, I, I want him to, I want him to keep up his good play and uh, keep showing out because when WKU is good, it's fun and it's fun to root for him. Even though WKU and Murray kind of a rivalry in basketball, but WKU's kind of stepped it up in football. So I'll go with the Hilltoppers. Yeah, I can't remember when it was when WKU made the jump to FBS, but I remember. I remember just when it happened because I was playing the NCAA football games and I remember, you know, oh, who there's a new Western Kentucky team. This is pretty cool. So I've always been kind of a distant fan of them. I've just kind of watched them since that happened. And I know they've been really good over the past few years. Uh, you know, they've not, not many teams have made that jump from FCS to FBS and then been really good right after it. I think only them and really App State have been, you know, comparable in that realm uh so i know wku is really good but i think you know army is just a really really tough team to face no matter who you are uh they they gave michigan a run for their money a couple years ago they gave oklahoma a run for their money uh, a few years ago uh and it's just because that triple offense the triple option offense is so hard to to defend unless you are the most disciplined team And, and if you aren't if you aren't they will They'll, they'll beat you up because it, they rush for they're going to rush for 300 400 yards and they their defense is solid they held georgia state to under 200 yards on the defensive side of the ball this week so uh you know georgia state's a little bit worse than wku but army i think army's a really good team so uh you know relatively a really good team so uh i'm gonna go with army this week in, in that game uh, we will move on to the battle in iowa who do you like between the hawkeyes and the Cyclones. I think I'm going to switch my pick from the last game. <laughs> so I'm starting to think about it. It's a home game for Army. I was telling Dylan before this. I took a nap before we started the show. Woke up at like 5 a.m. this morning, and I ended up taking a nap. So when I I di- didn't have a whole lot of time to process this game, and that was kind of our idea with getting a third person to pick a game, is we kind of go got to go on instinct. It's a home game from Army, and it's on nine eleven. It just seems right. You got to go with Army. I, I think. I think that's. I think that's the pick. I. I think Western Kentucky's a really fun team, but like you said, Army's been really tough. Um, home game for them. Nine eleven. I. I think that's. I. As much as I exact, he's a fun, fun quarterback. Yeah, seven touchdowns as they debut for WKU last, last week. I'm gonna go with the uh, tough and gritty Army team. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, that's that's a tough game to pick. I think it's gonna be a really good game. Um, but Iowa, Iowa State now. So we both went Army. I'm gonna go Iowa State. Who, when we talked about the Big Twelve, uh, when we previewed it, probably been I don't know a month ago now. Probably I don't. It's been a few weeks. We both said Iowa State. That's the team. Other than Oklahoma, obviously, that's the team we gotta watch. And I think that remains true this weekend. I think they they pass a big test against Iowa. Um, Iowa's a pretty good team out of the Big Ten. And I think they're going to beat their in-state rivals. 
uh, add to that resume and uh, and they they keep doing the thing and they got they have a good team. We talked about it. I think I think Iowa State's got a good squad. They're gonna they're gonna beat their NCAA rivals and uh, keep steaming and and we just wait for that matchup with Oklahoma later in the year. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, we were both singing the praises of Iowa State in their Big Twelve preview, and I don't. I don't think either of us said much about Iowa this year. Uh, maybe just a little bit in passing. I know I said I thought Indiana was going to be really good this year, and then Iowa torched them to start the year. I was really impressed by that, and so much so, I'm actually taking Iowa to upset their rivals, Iowa State, to start the year 2-0. Uh, I think, you know, if – this is another one where if you asked me last week, I would say Iowa State in a heartbeat. I didn't think Iowa was going to be that good this year, but they were really impressive against Indiana. Uh, it's at Iowa State, but I think they go into their rivals building, get an upset win, uh, bring one home for the Big Ten for us. And then finally, uh, the Pac-12 Big Ten matchup between the Ducks and the Bucks. Uh, Dylan, who you got between Ohio State and Oregon? Um, I'll go with the Buckeyes. I, we like we said with Iowa State, we really hyped up Iowa State. And I'm going to stick with them. I, we both really hyped up Ohio State as well, and I, I really like Ohio State. Um, I'm not crazy about Oregon. I think Oregon's got a good team. That defense is good. But Kayvon Thibodeau is kind of like, ah, we don't know what's going on with him. He he left the game last week. Um, so, But Ohio State, man, you get Chris Olave going, good luck, Oregon. That Ohio State's really, really good. I think they're going to get a nice resume builder early in the season and get a win against Oregon on Saturday. Yeah, this this hurts me even much. Even more than having Chris Olave as one of my Heisman favorites, because Oregon, when Michigan was down, I kind of adopted Oregon as my second college team. Uh, so I'm always rooting for them to do well. I always want to see them do well, and I'm always following them. And I know they have a good team this year, but with uh, Kayvon Thibodeau's status up in the air, like you said, it's just too easy for the Ohio State offense on this one. I like the Bucks over the Ducks. Uh, but I would be fine if I was wrong on this one. Uh, this would be the one this week. If I was wrong, I'd be not too not too upset. Uh, all right, that is going to do it for us from the here at the Dylan and Dylan Show. Dylan, do you have any final thoughts before we get going? Um, yeah, my picks. I'm not confident about any of them. I'll be honest. The Army WKU. I'm back and forth. Iowa did look really good, and Ohio State's probably the most confident I am. But like you said, if Oregon beats them, no sweat off my back. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to this weekend. Like I've said throughout the whole show, I'm excited to get to Cincinnati tomorrow. Now on Saturday, go watch uh, Preston and my Murray State Racers go to battle with Cincinnati. Uh, and then Sunday, maybe go to the Bengals-Vikings game. But if not, just a day full of football. Um, I'm also really excited to watch the Subway Series this weekend. I, I ta- we, we, I've kind of talked about it throughout the show. It's 20-year anniversary of 9-11, and the Mets and Yankees are playing this weekend in New York. They're going to wear the first responder hats like they have in the past. I think that's really, really cool. Um, that Subway Series is something really special. I Just as an outsider who's never really cared about the Yankees or Mets, I always kind of tune into it because New York's just a special sports place. And watching them go to battle and just the, the fans, uh, they don't like each other. But at the end of the day, they're all New Yorkers. It's really, really neat. I, I love that. Uh, it makes It's one of the great things about baseball. Everybody wants to beat the Yankees, so they kind of get behind the Mets cool thing i don't know i'm looking forward to this weekend 
Yep, it's going to be a fun weekend all around. Uh, really excited from all of the football, baseball, and all of the above. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in this week to the show. Quick reminder where you can find us. You can find the show social media pages on Twitter and Instagram at Dylan Dylan Show. You can find the Tunnel Visions. You can find Tunnel Vision Sports on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at underscore TV Sports, Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports, and online at TVSportsMag.com. Dylan, you have one more thing before we go? The St. Louis Cardinals just beat the Los Angeles Dodgers 2-1. to one. Alex Reyes got the win in a twist. Wow, Giovanni Gallegos got the save. The Cardinals beat the Dodgers for the second day in a row, split the four-game series. If you would have told me that on Tuesday, I would have called you crazy. <laughs> this weekend's trending in the right direction. I'm feeling good. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening this week. Stay safe, everyone. Enjoy some football, and we will see you back here next week. We will see you then. See you later.